Deep left into the bleachers. A two-run homer. A swing and a miss. Ball game. Liftoff. And history marches on. 22 consecutive wins. From the sports desk of the Akron Beacon Journal and Ohio.com, this is Leading Off with Ryan Lewis, a podcast on Cleveland baseball. Santana makes the catch. Ball game. The Indians have won the American League pennant. The Cleveland Indians are going to the World Series. Now, Ryan Lewis and Ashley Fastock. Welcome to the wonderful wizarding world of Leading Off, a podcast on Cleveland baseball. I'm Ashley Bastock, here with our beat writer at the Akron Beacon Journal, Ryan Lewis. And I started out the greeting to this podcast a little different because if you listened two weeks ago to our last episode, you heard all about how Ryan has beef with Daniel Radcliffe, uh, one-sided beef, you should say. Um, jokes aside, he he just never really got fully immersed into Harry Potter as a child. And yet, Ryan, you were at Harry Potter World during your brief time off here. I thought this might come up. I call shenanigans. (laughs) I call shenanigans. My wife and I went to Orlando. She is the big Harry Potter fan and, you know, Disney, and and she likes theme parks. I'm not even much of a theme park person, Um, but we did go. And traveled as safely as possible, and part of that trip did include uh, some time at Harry Potter World at Universal. Both parks, technically. There's technically two different areas. There are, yeah. There, And I've, I've been there. Um, I was there in late, literally like the last week of 2019, uh, when... I was covering the University of Michigan and they were playing Alabama in the Citrus Bowl in Orlando. And that was like part of the bowl week was the teams going to Universal. So uh, the kind folks there let the lowly reporters in for free as well. So um, it was like a single day ticket or whatever. And yeah, it's huge. You can take the Hogwarts Express from one part of the park in Adventure Island to where is which is where most of the Harry Potter world stuff is, including the castle, to the main part of Universal. And that that's the only time I've ever been to Universal, so I'm blanking on what that section of the park is, but I know it's the main like part of the park. And I learned that because I went there first and it's a fairly long walk back to Adventure Island. Yeah, they do a really good job with it. And we, we actually went in 2017. Um, we happened to be down there for Disney than we did one day at Universal in 2017. So I was better prepared this time because in like the bigger part, which they do a really cool job with, even though I'm not a huge Harry Potter fan and I like Daniel Radcliffe. I just, it's just no, very, you don't, you do not like Daniel Radcliffe. Like cultivate, cultivate this beef, but they do a really cool job with it. And, but I was unprepared the first time because I am uh, quite afraid of heights and prone to motion sickness, so I'm not a huge roller coaster person. So I was sitting... One or two roller coasters in Harry Potter, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, But I was sitting under, like, the main part, and there's that, like, you know, quote-unquote bank with the huge dragon on top. Yes, Gringotts. Okay, well, I'd... Fine. (laughs) So I... Actually, on that note, I have a buddy who's very particular about certain details, and so it allows me to easily, like, poke the bear. Oh, yeah. 
So no. I was taking pictures of of shirts of the like train platform, and I was texting him like nine and three fourths, and he's like, "You know damn well it's nine and three quarters." <laughs> you're cruel, honestly. Like your friends should have gotten to go there instead of you. You don't even deserve a ticket. They should. They if they gave a test required for entry for knowledge of like the books and or film franchise, I would have been I, like later. Yeah. Uh, not pass like at least she would have to go herself um so i know you don't obviously have really the knowledge to fully appreciate everything that's there but i was better prepared this time true it's your second time that dragon thing whatever whatever it's called i didn't know that that did anything i thought it was just like the architecture on the building so i'm sitting there completely unaware of what's about to happen. And then I hear this like explosion like sound and I can, I was right under it. So I could feel the heat. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know that that thing breathes fire every 20 or 30 minutes. I mean, the first time I was prepared. You did send me while you were there. And I don't remember what day it was. I'm scrolling through a text chain now uh, on Monday, last Monday, September 6th. um, You sent a picture of, you holding butterbeer, just of the butterbeer, and it said an olive branch to Daniel Radcliffe. So I guess the beef is has been squashed because the butterbeer was so good. I don't know if I'm making an assumption there. Oh, no. it's I mean, my, my favorite pop is cream soda, and that's basically what butterbeer is with some extra, you know, whatever. Thrown it in is there. objectively um, good, like objectively good. It was really good. Plus, the Heat Index was like 106 that day. Um, just from walking around and just sweating. I don't do humidity well at all. I know there are people who mock other people who say, like, oh, but it's a dry heat, but I'm 100% in that group where, like, 105 in, like, Vegas doesn't bother me as much as, like, 90 or 95 if it's super humid in, you know, Florida. Um, So I realized when I got back, um, I realized that in five days in Orlando, I dropped six pounds kind of unknowingly. Um, which probably isn't the healthiest. The sweat and the walking. Yeah, it's just like water, and so that's gone. But that, um, it was just so freaking hot. But it was enjoyable. The Harry Potter world, like, I appreciate it for what they put into it. I just don't know, like, a lot of the specifics. I saw people you can do, like, you. I'm waiting to hear how you're going to mess up the terminology of whatever you're going to say. So just spit it out so we can get on with me making fun of you. I'm so afraid to, like, use the wrong terminology now. But you can go around with the wand, and they have, like, secret things that you can do that aren't marked. So I saw people doing, like, like if you do a W in in a certain spot, it does something and whatever. Spells. Spells. Fake spells, yeah. Um, Yeah. It sounds like I. I mean, I guess my my question is: Have you been inspired to to watch all of the movies now that they are all back on HBO Max? No, because I've seen three of the movies. So in terms of the movies, I think that's enough of a sample size to know. Like, I'm not. I'm just. It's. Just, it didn't. It didn't hit me. It didn't catch me like like other things did. Um, the books, I, I cannot say anything on because I've not read any of the books. I just. I never. As a as a kid, I never just kind of got got into that area. Um, but the movies, you know. 
Well, if you want to bully Ryan on this take, you can find him at by Ryan Lewis on Twitter. Believe me, my buddies do. I get I get stuff all the time. Whenever we talk about it, we it becomes this huge thing. Well, bullying is okay, maybe in this instance. So you might. I just can't get over. I was thinking about this today. Like Ryan Lewis, your brand is you never got into Harry Potter as a kid, but you did get into fencing. Like I don't <laughs> how how those two things um like crossed your plane of existence and you latched onto the fencing and left the Harry Potter. Don't squash my Olympic dreams of Paris in 2024. Fair enough. Uh, all right. Well, let's let's move over to the happenings at Progressive Field since we have been off for a while. Um, let's start with somebody we've talked about a lot recently, a lot this season, uh, Logan Allen, because you wrote about in your recent walk off thoughts about him talking with Shane Bieber and altering the grip on his curveball. And with him and with a lot of these guys, when we talk about them altering things uh, in the mechanics of their pitching, it sounds like it wasn't something drastic that he did, but it's made a quite a bit of a difference. Yeah, and when guys are talking about their you know pitch arsenals, it's not just the effectiveness of each individual each individual pitch and, and looking at it just one by one as different situations. It's also about how they work together. Um, and I think especially recently around baseball, that's become even more of a focus to where, you know, guys are focused on, on not just the break and velocity and movement of a certain pitch. It's also how it works off of other pitches. Uh, so, you know, guys have at certain times added pitches, you know, we saw uh, Shane Bieber do that uh, where he's added, a cutter and uh, he's worked on his changeup and those things aren't just to have those as effective pitches. They're also to sort of set um, their other offerings up in a, in a better way. And, you know, Logan Allen also talked about tunneling, uh, which is where pitchers are trying to get um, either a few or even all of their pitches to look as similar as possible with, with how they're releasing the ball, with how it's coming out of their hand, with their arm angle, everything. You want it to look as similar as possible to the hitter as long as possible so that that hitter isn't going to be able to recognize or pick up what pitch is coming until later in that delivery. And it's just, it's that one extra, you know, split second difference. Um, so for Logan Allen, you know, he was looking to, to alter his curveball just a bit, um, so that it could play off his fastball, uh, and his sinker, um, just a little bit better, uh, to where those things can, can work together. It's sort of as almost like a more like of a, of a cohesive unit to where you have those, you know, his five different offerings and, and, and they're going to work together. He's able to tunnel some things better. The movement and velocity profiles, um, can, can kind of do what he wants. Um, you know, he also mentioned that he, uh, recently altered his changeup over the last few weeks or months. So, you know, this season, and again, it, it's something that we've talked about. Going into opening day, it looked like this may be the Logan Allen breakout season of 2021. Uh, with the absolutely torrid spring that he had, he made all these uh, changes um, to his offerings, to his delivery. Uh, he lost a bunch of weight. Um, and so all of these things were kind of geared toward, uh, you know, his breakout and, and finally kind of reaching a, a certain level of potential. Then he looked fantastic in spring training and he looked great in maybe, you know, two starts to start the season, and then it just all unraveled on him all at once. And he was pretty quickly sent back to AAA and, you know, spent the better part of the entire summer trying to kind of work his way back. And so lately he's, he's altered his changeup. 
Uh, he changed the grip on his curveball after talking with Bieber. Um, and, and those are his secondary pitches where, you know, he's throwing his fastball around 42% of the time. He's throwing his slider just under 30% of the time. So then the changeup and the curveball come in at 17% and about 10% respectively. So again, those offerings aren't, you know, those aren't the pitches that he's going to throw, you know, half the time in, in, in any outing, but they're there to set up, um, you know, his other offerings. They're there to, to be options in, in certain counts. And the goal is to A, uh, have them, uh, you know, be a, a real threat, a real option in as many counts as possible to where it's not, you know, you're not getting pigeonholed, uh, because you can't locate or, or, or you can't do this or, or it's going to look like this. Um, and then the second goal, uh, is to just have, have, your offerings work off of each other as best as possible with velocity, with movement, with tunneling, with everything. Um, so, you know, those are the, two of the major changes that he's made recently. And Logan Allen is, again, you know, he's he's trying to, like a lot of these younger guys are, set himself up going into 2022 and, and, and spring training next year uh, where he was going to have a lot of decisions, decisions to make. It looks like the top five in, in the rotation – if everybody's healthy, if everybody's throwing, you know, reasonably well, is probably pretty close to being set at this point. Um, so then it comes down to how does the team handle, you know, the six, seven, eight options, which guys go to the bullpen maybe to start the season, which guys could be options out of the bullpen, which guys are progressing and developing. And so, you know, those are two major changes that Logan Allen has made, and it's it's a result of talking with Shane Bieber, which isn't the worst resource to have. Yeah, and we talked about that aspect of it before, which is – just the simple aspect of collaboration. So you wrote about it in the walk-off thoughts as well, but it's kind of become a standard operating procedure dating back several seasons was the starting pitchers in the rotation. They watch each other's bullpens. And you talked about how that dates back to the days of Kluber, Carrasco, and Josh Tomlin. Yeah, and you know that's a situation that Cleveland tried to you know, kind of curate and, and, and wanted to have. Uh, for several years where they wanted all these guys to be watching each other's bullpens. And, and that has two benefits. The first benefit is that it's when your coworkers are watching you, it's a little more difficult to kind of slack off for a day or just kind of go through the motions for a day. If you're, if you're not really feeling it, it does kind of lend itself to, uh, you know, maximum effort all the time. If you're being watched all the time by some additional eyes. And the second benefit is that it, it just kind of lends itself to, um, a higher level of collaboration where if, if, Lo, if Logan Allen mentions that, you know, he's not happy with his curveball or he's, he's trying to get it to do, to do this, Shane Bieber or anybody else can come over and say, well, you know, here's what works for me. Here's the grip that works for me. You can try this. And, you know, as Logan Allen said, he talked with Shane Bieber. He tried it out um, a few days later in his bullpen session. And almost immediately he's like, wow, I, I really like this. And then he put it into his start, uh, I think it was three days after that. Uh, Zach Plesak earlier this season also mentioned that he talked with Shane Bieber on his curveball grip about spiking it a bit more. Um, so, you know, that's, that's a directive that, that's been, um, pretty crucial to what Cleveland has, has kind of wanted to, to curate with, with its pitching staff and especially with the, with the starting pitchers. Um, for years and, and that it just lends itself to, to some more, you know, potentially positive changes and, uh, you know, some more positive routines. Um, and, and it's been some, something that under, you know, Terry Francona, um, you know, they've, they've wanted to keep and, and maintain and it, it's kind of been the, it's become the standard operating procedure. And, 
Uh, you know, there are some benefits and, and, you know, we've seen those benefits and guys have talked about those benefits before. So, you know, on top of having, you know, pitching coach Carl Willis as a resource, you know, they're also bouncing uh, some ideas off each other. And, uh, you know, Logan Allen mentioned that it, it's not like that everywhere to the same degree. Um, but that is something that's been important and, and kind of something that is important to remember that, uh, you know, that's a key directive that, that Cleveland has tried to maintain for years. So if I meet you in the progressive field press box for the next homestand and stand over your shoulder while you write, will that make you a better writer? Do you think? I don't possibly, I cannot stand when people w- are watching me writing as you're typing. That's the, God, that's the worst. I come with me to Brexville on Friday night for Brexville hosting Stowe football as Stowe tries to bounce back from their, their first loss of the year. And we can, we can see if my story turns out better compared to my other stories. That's- is that the preposition you really want to use there? Is that the right transition? Are you sure? No, no, no. Just pick every single. Oh, be the worst. It works for pitching, maybe not for writers. I don't know. Right, right. Like I, I think that would be. I think for most writers, like somebody looking over your shoulder as you type is a pet peeve. So, um, I think for us it might backfire if we tried uh, a similar strategy. It's amazing how like instantly negative of a feeling that like brings up when someone is like intently watching you as you type. So you yeah. can't finish a thought and then rework it if you want. It's, it's amazing how like daunting that becomes. It's, it's such a small thing though. Yeah, no. Uh, well, if that, if we were doing that, I feel like we would both end up in the down portion of your three up. <laughs> three down stories. So um, as seamless of a transition as I just made there, let's talk about Ryan's latest three up, three down, which is very comprehensive. And we talked about that off mic last night. Um, I think just being the fact that there was so much for you probably had all these thoughts built up from the days you were off and now uh, have somewhere to analyze all of this. So let's start with the three up portion of three up, three down. And we'll start with Emmanuel Classe, who since July 17th has allowed one earned run in a span of 23 and two-thirds innings. And these numbers are from earlier in the week. So if something's incorrect, um, you might have the updated numbers in front of you, Ryan. I do not know. But still, um, for whatever day you wrote that earlier this week, pretty impressive stats. Yeah, I mean, nothing he's done over the last few days has kind of changed that message. But again, exactly going back to, to what we were just talking about, um, you know, a, a big portion and a big reason for, for the surge has been uh, cause a slider and the cutter it's a, it's, it can hit one one It's got a crazy movement. It's totally his best pitch. It's 100% like the highlight real pitch, but he needs that slider to set it up a little bit because if guys can key in and just wait for the cutter, if you can just key in on that one pitch, it does become more hittable. So he needs to be able to locate the slider. He needs the movement on a slider to be there. And lately it has, and, and he has been able to locate it. And so that slider, when that's more of a weapon, now you have, to a greater extent, now hitters have to kind of pay attention to both pitches. And that just makes it a little bit harder to hit that cutter when it is coming in at 101. It's just that extra split second, uh, if you can force hitters uh, to have to guess or, or to have to react a little bit more, that, that's a major thing that what pitchers are going for when they're, when they're making these uh, uh, adjustments and changes and Grip alterations and, and, and all of it's just really just in an, uh, an effort to try to get the hitter to be guessing a little bit more. And so with Emmanuel Clase, his slider's been more of a weapon recently, and that kind of opens up both pitches for him. 
Um, and, and lately he's been uh, pretty dynamic. Um, you know, that, that Corey Kluber trade, when it was made, you know, and Kluber was certainly a, a, a fan favorite. Um, but, you know, looking at it now, now that there's more, some more time, uh, 2020 was basically a wash for both teams where Clause was suspended for the entire year. Lino DeShields did not contribute too much. And the Rangers got one, exactly one inning, up, uh, from Corey Kluber, uh, before he moved on to New York. Um, and so now, um, Cleveland is left with Emmanuel Clause. There's a reason he was the centerpiece. Um, so lately he's been kind of everything that, you know, they could have hoped for. And, and a big reason for that is that the slider has able to k- kind of build and, and help the profile of the cutter and, and kind of make both pitches work together. Also in the three-up portion, we have Ryan LaVarnway, who allowed Cleveland to avoid a kind of historical marker they did not want to hit against the Brewers this weekend. Yeah, so after being no hit on Saturday uh, with Corbin Burns and Josh Hader, uh, Cleveland was kind of on their way uh, to be no hit again, um, which hadn't happened um, on back-to-back days since the days of World War One, and that was technically not back-to-back games because the second day uh, involved a, a doubleheader. Um, but Cleveland came pretty close, and uh, Ryan LaVarnway, who was since designated for assignment um, to make room for Roberto Perez, who returned from injury, uh, he is the one who kind of broke that up um, and became a, a half-sarcastic Twitter hero for a day, um, but his those accomplishments are are gone. So he's a little bit of a of a dark night situation. Yeah, where he's now he has since been designated for assignment. But for one day, he helped Cleveland to avoid some more uh, negative no hitter history this year. And then the final person that you had in the three up portion this week was manager Terry Francona, who is has passed the more significant milestones now regarding his multiple medical procedures that uh, he needed that required him to step away from the team from the remainder of the year. Yeah, so he's he's kind of making his his way through um, a, a pretty tough stretch with when you know when you're getting a, a major hip procedure and a toe procedure almost back to back on top of you know everything else that he's dealt with over the last year. And, and, and really several years, but especially the last, you know, 12 months, 24 months or so. Um, so he's passed both surgeries. Uh, both procedures are said to have gone well. Um, you know, this, this second procedure, uh, which was on his, his toe and his foot, uh, the rehab for that one's a little, a little more invasive because he, uh, you know, he said that he won't be able to put any, uh, any weight on that foot for, I think like eight to 10 weeks, which is pretty substantial. Um, but you know him stepping aside. This was this is what you know. This was that that reason was to try to get through this and have you know try to be able to have somewhat of a normal uh, off season uh, for healing for rehab, so that he can come back in the spring and hopefully be you know healthy enough and pain free enough to do the job that he he feels that he needs to do. And that's one of the things that you know Tito talked about uh, when they announced that he was stepping aside for the remainder of the season is that. It, it began to kind of creep into his mind of whether him staying was for, you know, the benefit of the team and was the best thing for the team because he had been in so much discomfort um, that it was, it was just making things difficult. It was making things much less enjoyable. Chris Antonetti mentioned that he was amazed that Tito made it this far into the season, knowing how uncomfortable he was. You know, he was moving around in a boot. He needed multiple procedures. Um, 
and, and things just kind of piled up. But um, so he'll have a, a you know roughly a two month process uh, before he can put any weight on the foot, and then uh, you know obviously after that he'll have some some rehab and some things that he'll have to build up on. But you know the team remains hopeful uh, that Terry Francona will manage the club in 2022, um, and that he can kind of get to a to a spot where he's healthy enough. But that's you know, that is one of the storylines, I guess, to watch this winter is, is you know, what's going to happen with the managerial situation in Cleveland um, and if Terry Francona can return. But that is the expectation, and um, it, it seems like he is on track um, to do that, and it just depends on, on how his rehab goes um, over the, the winter months and, and where he kind of stands in, in February. Yeah, so uh, moving on to the down portion of three up, three down. Uh, on Wednesday night, Cleveland gets a 12-3 to win over the Twins. They pound 14 hits, but obviously we talked about the weekend a little bit already. Uh, the entire Cleveland lineup pretty much you put in the three down portion uh, starting this week off. Yeah, I was trying to decide what the better – weather disaster movie reference would be if it would be the day after tomorrow, which is a great movie with Jake yes. Hall and Emmy Rossum. Um, or if it would be the perfect storm, which is also a, a, a pretty good movie. But in, in both cases, what you basically had was a situation that wasn't great and got way worse uh, where Cleveland's entire lineup uh, just fell into a slump, which is something that does happen throughout the course of a 162 game season. Uh, pretty much everybody in the lineup seemed to be struggling. Miles straw, had an okay week, um, but you know, outside of that, um, really up and down. There were there were some struggles. Guys weren't putting together the best at bats, and then the Brewers pitching staff rolled into town, and that that Brewers rotation is ridiculous and will be a a, a real threat uh, in October. Um, any team having to face those guys back to back to back in a postseason series, plus Josh Hader and Devin Williams and the other sixteen names that they have that are all just tremendous pitchers. Um, so those two things kind of converged. And throughout the week, Cleveland had was no hit once, which made some history, and they were almost no hit two more times. Um, and, and you know, as we mentioned, almost on, on back-to-back days. Um, you know, but that, that is something that happened. And then last night they, they scored more runs in three hours than they scored in like a week combined. Um, so that's just kind of baseball. It's one of the fun, quirky things about baseball that just tends to happen, but if you're struggling already and you're not in the best place offensively and then you run into the Brewers pitching staff right now, that's uh, that's not ideal. That's pretty much the um, <laughs> the the metaphor for finding the eye of the storm from the day after tomorrow where it's like negative 110 degrees or whatever it, it got to and everybody's freezing instantly. That's probably not the worst or, the, or probably not the best situation to be in. No. Well, oh, Dennis Quaid was in that movie. Yeah, you. I was surprised when you said Emmy Rossum, and I was like, isn't Dennis Quaid in that? Like, no disrespect to Emmy Rossum, but, like, it was just funny. And Jake Gyllenhaal. I got Jake Gyllenhaal. I just forgot Dennis Quaid was in that movie for a second. Well, considering the re-recording of Taylor Swift's Red album drops in <laughs> short weeks, Jake Gyllenhaal, I mean, Godspeed to you, my friend. Uh, anyways. If we want, we want to talk about quirky baseball things. We would be remiss if we did not mention Zach Plesac, who has been on the opposing end of all of these no hitters by opposing pitchers this year for Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> one of the 
really fun baseball arguments is is what what record uh, would be the most difficult to break or, or which record will not be broken again. Because I think even if you go you know all over sports, I, I do think that baseball has several of the top options. Um, and whether it's number one is uh, obviously debatable, but baseball has several um, that are really high up there. And Cy Young uh, winning 511 games, I think would be my vote just because getting halfway there these days with how pitchers are handled is a major accomplishment. Um, so 511 um, is just absurd. Um, but, but there's so many like that. Uh, DiMaggio streak, Cal Ripken's consecutive game streak, on and on and on. Zach Plesak is the only pitch. Cleveland is the only team in baseball history to be no hit three times. And Zach Plesak is obviously the only pitcher in baseball history to be the uh, opposing pitcher for all three of those. That's absurd. And it's never happened before. And that kind of like that one's not probably not as, you know, momentous. It's not as big of a break. And obviously you don't want to break it. Right. But in terms of like how rare it is. That had never been done before until Saturday night. So it's, it, it, it's kind of pretty high up there, even though it's kind of quirky and weird, but like it, it has to be up there. Cause how could someone be on the opposite end of a no hitter on the same team in the same season four times, which is what you'd have to do to break it. Right. Right. Um, could season, I guess he could break his own record still. Yeah. I mean, there's still time. Like who knows, but, uh, what were you going to say? Go for it, Zach. You, you can do it. I don't think anyone wants it. <laughs> Anyways, um, we talked about Shane Bieber a little bit already in regards to Logan Allen, but um, once again, kind of making some progress there. He threw 47 pitches in a rehab assignment with the Clippers on Tuesday, ironically playing in Toledo against the Mud Hens. Uh, the team's goal is still for him to throw on the Major League mound again this season, which I, I certainly think it is interesting because we are in the the waning days here. Yeah, I mean, of course, there's no, you know, whether Shane Bieber pitches this season or not uh, and whether he does make it into a game, there's no, you know, effect on the 2021 season or standings. It's, it's really the, the only concern for the team is if they think that, you know, he would benefit from one or two outings going into the offseason and, and just getting back on the mound and, 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 and getting some feedback with exactly where he stands in a major league setting, which, it, you know, it's, it's impossible to really re- recreate that atmosphere in that setting, uh, when you're, when you're in the minor leagues, uh, especially on a rehab assignment. So, um, you know, Chris Antonetti and DeMarlo Hale both mentioned that they'd like Shane Bieber, you know, if, if all goes well under, you know, the right circumstances, they'd like him to get into one or two games before the end of the year, uh, just to kind of get some feedback with where he stands. Um, you know, he'd likely be on a, on a pretty strict pitch count to where they're not going to do anything drastic. And, you know, this is certainly only with the absolute uh, green light from the medical staff. Um, but the goal remains for Shane Bieber to pitch again this season. It could be a shortened outing. It, it likely would be a shortened outing. Um, so he threw his first rehab assignment uh, Tuesday night. Um the plan is for him to throw a second one, and then the team's going to reassess, you know, what they, what they would like to do, whether it's a third rehab start um, or possibly uh, that third outing being in a major league setting um, with a with a pretty strict pitch count. Um, so that's the goal remains for him, for him to get into a game, and it, it would just be to you know get a better idea of exactly where he is going into the off season and 
um, you know, going into spring training next year. All right, Ryan, I think we've hit on everything that we wanted to talk about from the past few days here. So be sure to check out all of Ryan's analysis over at beaconjournal.com under the Cleveland Guardians tab. You can find him on Twitter at by Ryan Lewis. You can find me on Twitter at Ashley Bastock 42. And until next time, be sure to catch Ryan practicing all the new spells he learned over at Harry Potter World.